Hey everyone. Uh, Lisa, compulsive overeater. And I, um, for those of you who don't know me, I have 22 years of recovery from compulsive overeating. And oh, sorry, what did I do? Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, and what that is for me, or from from binging, from compulsive eating, and from restricting. What what it used to be like is I would, and this is developed over years of practice, was um, eating uh, late at night. Then in the morning, I wouldn't eat until I just couldn't. I, I, I would, wouldn't eat probably till four if I, if I wasn't working. And then I would eat lunch at four, and then I'd have dinner at seven, and then I'd have a meal the, uh, late at night that would just go on. And uh, that was usually like in front of the TV, window, uh, blinds closed, phone off, back when we had that option, um, <laughs> you know, watching TV. And, um, and so I would skip meals to make up for it. This wasn't every single day, but it was often enough that I would have that feeling of pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization <laughs> when I went to bed. And I would not want to do it the next day. And I would say I wouldn't do it the next day. And then just what, you know, I would do it. If not the next day, then a few days later. Um, and what happened was I had an Eskimo that brought me in the program. My Eskimo happened to be my therapist who, uh, after a year and a half, I happened to mention uh, that I had eaten a lot the night before. Like, I just basically eaten, like, I used to make concoctions out of, like, freezer, fridge, cupboard. Um, and I mentioned it, and she was like, whoa, 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 you know. And she suggested OA, and I was like, you know, I was, I was always, in my mind, I was always 10 pounds overweight. And um, so I was insulted when she suggested it, because I was like, what is she telling me? That I'm not getting away with this physically because it was always about getting away with it physically like in my family like as long as you looked okay didn't really like uh, as long as you didn't express much emotion and you didn't look bad you know just proceed uh, and um, so when she suggested I was like fine and I went and I thought everyone was crazy and then the second meeting, because she told me to go to six, and I'm kind of obedient, <clears throat> the second meeting I heard my story. I heard my diary being read, as they say. And uh, so then I, I kept coming back. And, you know, I started working the program with, I started working the steps with a sponsor who was going to be my temporary sponsor. She offered to do it temporarily. She did it for 10 years. Um, and she was a real big book thumper. And so it was not, I did not call and chat. I called, I might be like, ah, I'm upset about blah, blah. And she's like, what step is that? I'd be like, uh, you know, and we'd figure out what step it was. She'd tell me to go work the step. It was simple. And um, she was very loving and very gentle, but she was not indulgent. And I'm really grateful for that because I didn't need another shrink. I didn't need a, a buddy. I needed someone to guide me through the steps. And that's what she did. And um, she's, you know, she's still in the program. She's wonderful. And, you know, I now have a, another one. She was also extremely gentle, and but a little bit, a little bit firmer. Um, not, in, not in terms of what she has me um, do or not do with my absence, but what she has me do in terms of like working my fourth step. <laughs> I, I used to be like, oh, my part is, I let it happen. Or, you know, it was like whatever my part, could, you know, like when you used to, um, like going in for a job interview, like what are your faults? Oh, my faults are I don't delegate enough. You know, like 
not because you're never going to say my boss is I'm really impatient and I'm, I'm, I'll get snappy if you don't you know like so so she would be like mm, I think your part is world according to Lisa I was like Whoa. you know and um, that still surprises me every time and it's still probably true it is true every time um, anyway going back what I'd like to talk about in particular this season is how um, what it was like what happened and what it's like now for the holidays um, because what it used to be like with me and any party situation was I went to get what I could I never went to be of service I went to get something out of it I used to joke that um, <clears throat> if, uh, if there was a cake I would it wasn't a joke I mean it was if there was a cake I would be there like so um, <laughs> and uh, and so I used to go and I was incredibly uncomfortable at parties I after I stopped um, doing drugs particularly um, which is another story and it was I used to smoke a lot of pot and I used to binge a lot when I smoked a lot of pot big shocker and, um, and when I stopped smoking pot I didn't stop binging but I also didn't have the social comfort of being high in front of people and I didn't drink I didn't like drinking so I would go to parties and where other people might have a drink to get socially comfortable I just would head straight to the food and I would do about 20 minutes of eating and then I would be comfortable enough to engage with people and um, I don't think I recognized that until I got abstinent and I went to my first party and I didn't go to the food and eat for 20 minutes and oh my god it was I was like crawling out of my skin it was so uncomfortable but what was so interesting was watching other people do it with liquor and with food and going like oh right this makes so much sense to me and after 20 or 30 minutes I was comfortable that was another revelation like oh it, it takes me 20 or 30 minutes to get comfortable in a party no matter what if I'm eating if I'm drinking if I'm just sitting there so I was like oh well that's helpful information so um, what I do now also I don't go to a party if I'm not going to be of service it's simple as, and being of service can just be going to be present and pleasant or going to you know see a friend but if I'm just going, to, um, there's, there's a lot of events for my work that I get invited to um, where the only reason to go would be to eat their food. And I realized, like, oh, I can't do that. And in fact, a couple weeks ago, I did almost do that and then left and then went back to be of service because I realized all I had done was sit with my friend who I brought, eaten, and not talk to anyone else. So I, like left with him and then went back by myself and went and talked to everyone and was of service to the host and um, that was that would not have been me 22 years ago I wouldn't have realized after I left like oh I was just completely selfish and self-absorbed for the last hour I need to go make living amends my living amends is to go be of service there and not eat anything else um, so yeah so I don't I don't go I've, I've been invited to a couple of events you know for the holidays and I'm like I realize I won't there isn't really a way I'll go and feel good about this I'll go and be uncomfortable and I probably won't bring anything to the table like literally won't bring anything positive to the table so it's not for me that's not for me and there's times when I go and all I do is, is I'm like cleaning up and like and I don't like necessarily bring attention to I just do it because it keeps me busy or I go talk to someone I think is by themselves and you know have, has nothing has no one to talk to 
Um, which is not to say, like, that sounds so great and altruistic. It's not. It is my method of getting through the evening. And so it's purely selfish. I'm still selfish. I just happen to use it in a way that's more positive um, for my benefit, for my health. Um, so, um, like, the other day I was, uh, I, oh, also my, my, this holiday, this is not necessarily in the program, but it's thanks to, um, it's thanks to the program. I go to an event now. And my, my abstinence, my food plan, like, I can eat anything except one item, which I'm not going to mention. I don't think we need to, but, um, but I don't restrict because I had that a little bit in my life, too, and I was very diet mentality and all that stuff. And so, but what I do during the holidays, because there's so many desserts available, and that's a big thing for me, it's a big appeal for me, um, is I will call my sponsor first before I have it, just to make it conscious. I don't text her. Because that is not conscious for me. That is so easy. I can do it at the table right next to the person that I'm about to, you know, eat with. But if I have to get up and go to a bathroom or outside or somewhere private and call her and either talk to her or leave a message, and she won't care. She's like, you can call me ten times a day, I don't care. But if I call her and actually make that conscious, for some reason, it's like the, it's like the steps. For some reason, it cleans up. Like, there have been so many times in the last few weeks where I haven't had the thing I even called and said I was going to have. Because by the time I sat there with it, I was like, meh, you know, it's not worth it. It's not good enough. And, um, like, friends offering me just stuff. I'm like, it's just not worth getting up and going outside and making the call because I don't like it that much. And um, so that's been lovely. That's just been, it's just taken the load off for me. And um, I was at an event, I was uh, I was of service with other people at an event the other day. And, um Afterwards, they were like, let's go to lunch. And they named a place where I knew I wouldn't really have many options. I'm a big pain in the ass with, like, you know, I don't eat meat and, like, I hate all spices. So basically, like, <laughs> just a, I'm a pain. And, um, but instead of being like, no, I can't, you know, there aren't many, I just was like, sure, let's do it. And I had, you know, a terrible sandwich. And it was, um, that was the kind of thing where, in the past, I would have gone home and had another meal to make up for it. Because if I have a bad meal, I mean, to me, like, I remember telling my best friend who was in another program, I was like, you know, newly abstinent. I was looking at a menu, and I was like, you don't understand. The answers to the universe are in here if I get it right. And if I don't, I, like, I'm at a loss. And she's like, yeah, I don't get that. Like, but at the same time, she knew every amount of alcohol that, at the table that everyone was having because that was her program. You know? <laughs> that was her recovery. So that was me with food. Like, I knew in there if I could just get it right. And if I didn't get it right, I would try again, you know. Um, try, try again. So, so anyway, we went to this place and we had this food. And it was not about the food. Like, it was terrible. I was hungry. I ate it. And it was about being with these people and having community. And then they brought, like, two desserts to the table. And I was like, again, I'm not getting up just for this. It's not good enough. And so I didn't have any. And it was like, I know that's not, like, well... To a normie, that would sound like, what? And I know someone in this room is like, oh, yeah, I can relate to this. Maybe not everyone, but some people, like, as little as that is and as weird as that is, that is, like, miraculous to me. And um, so how, how that came about, the what happened, was coming into program, working the steps, but most of all, the first thing I did with my sponsor was I was honest with her. She, it was about, I, I think, 
10 days after I joined that I met her and I was ready to be honest with someone. I was 31, I was tired of lying and I'd lied a lot my whole life, like little lies. Like if I'd been late here, I would have come, even, even if I hadn't been late here, I would have come up with lies on the way over in case I was late. That takes a lot of energy to do all day for everything. And so with her, I was just like, you know, they said we're honest and, you know, open and willing. And I was like, all right. And so, you know, I called her and was honest with my food, about my food, and my food cleaned up immediately. That's what it took after all those years. And I believe I was a compulsive eater out of the womb. That's just, or, or like, or upon hitting air. I don't know. But um, I was, I was always rude with food. Either I hated it until I was about 11, hated food. She would bribe me. They would bribe me. She would bribe me with, um, with sweets to get me to eat something healthy. I could not, you know, the food pyramid about, like, you know, the vegetables and then the, like, salt and sugar. Like, like it was upside down. <laughs> like, I didn't know a green vegetable that, if it slapped me in the face, unless it was covered in cheese. But, so, for me today to look at the, like, I look forward to that. Like, my favorite thing is going to the farmer's market early in the morning, which I hate getting up in the morning. Early in the morning, meeting my friends and shopping and then having coffee. Like, that's just not... That, that person is an alien to the person I used to be. So um, anyway, the honesty. So I started telling her what my food was. And for whatever reason, shining a light on that, those secrets made them go away. So I stopped binging. Um, my, you know, my food plan is very gentle. But at first, it was definitely like, let's cut out the um, desserts. Let's cut out. I didn't have any um, free junk food because I was working in a place where there. I was not only uh, it was not only a raid before me. I was the one filling all the bowls of the free junk food. So, um, so that was no longer um, an option for me. I could go across the street, like literally across the street, and buy it, but I couldn't have it for free. That cleaned it up because it became conscious. Everything was about being conscious. Like I remember the first. Um, the first like time that I was having, you know, I guess a weekend, I was having an emotion which is alien to me, and um, I went for something in the freezer, and I remember my hand. I remember that second of and a half of my hand reaching for something and reaching for the phone instead, and that was like, whoa, like that just was. Cra- and I called someone because I had taken numbers at my first meeting where all those crazy people were who turned out to be not crazy. They just expressed emotions honestly, which was nuts to me. Um, and I called someone, and I told her what was going on, and she laughed. And I was like, oh, you know, like, that's not okay. And, that, and it was really okay because it is, we're not a glum lot. Like, this is, I need humor to get me through this. And um, I need to be be shown that um, I can take this program very seriously. I can't take myself this seriously because it's part of what got me into trouble. Taking, like, oh, the weight of the world is on me. I can't. No, it isn't. Uh, my job is to get through the day and try to be of service to at least one person. Um, and it's not to at least not, you know, first do no harm, right? Um, at least to get through the day without making anyone's life worse, including my own. And, um, and also, you know, I, I came in with a very, uh, a very rough relationship with my family. It, it was outwardly fine, but it just wasn't connected. And um, 
I went through, we went through a lot of loss early on in my program, and um, I had a, it, it, grief does not bring out the best in people, and I, this is where it gets uncomfortable to be sharing in a taped situation, but I have family members who um, eat to feel comfort, and in the grief process, that was a big thing, and it was something I couldn't do, and I was so, as much as I wanted them to be in recovery, at that moment, I was so grateful that they had food to turn to, that they could numb out, because I couldn't. And I really would have, really would have wanted to. But at the same time, I also got into such a bad relationship with my dad that I was like, I vowed in program, this was like a year and a half, two years in, I wasn't going to talk to him anymore. Like, I just couldn't take it. He was just so awful through that process. He lost his son. Of course he was awful. He was, he was, he lost his son and he didn't know how to deal with his emotions. That does not bode well for your like your psyche and um, you know fast forward even a couple years and or you know a few years and, and, and I did talk to him I just wasn't happy to talk to him but I now talk to him every day and he and my mom are in, in very bad physical mental shape you know they're in the, he, they're, he's 95 um, and I talk to him every day and he repeats himself every day and it's fine and I love him and I love her and I go back to visit like every three months to do what I can to help. And that's just not, it, he did not change through the course of the last 20 years. I changed. I accepted him for who he is for the most part until about day six when I get in a fight with him. And, um, and I accept that I, you know, it's going to the hardware store for oranges. Like that, I go to the farmer's market for oranges. I go early in the morning and I, do, I go to the hardware store for all that awesome stuff. I love the hardware store. but. He's not going to be able to provide me the emotional um, connection that I that I think I need from him. I'm going to have to get that somewhere else. I'm probably going to have to get that from myself. That is a hard freaking process. But it is much easier than going to bed upset that I've eaten too much and like feeling like shit. Sorry. Um, and um, so that's so. What it's like now is I get to go through. My days, whether or not it's a holiday, whether or not it's the day celebrating everybody being in couples, um, <laughs> which I am not, and um, going through those days abstinently as like an abstinent woman of dignity. That's my goal. And um, and there have been times during the past like week or so where I like had a piece of something and was like, oh, I forgot to call my son. And I called her afterwards, and I was like, I forgot, to, like, because I really didn't want to call her. I didn't want to say, like, I forgot to call you, but, or I didn't forget to call you. I just didn't want to call you. But that's my, that's part of my honesty today, that I have to be clear about um, if I don't share this stuff, if I'm not open with at least, you know, my higher power and another human being, it's just going to hit me in the, oh, thank you. It's just going to hit me in the ass at some point. Um, so in the last five minutes, I want to talk to you people about God. <laughs> I came in with no perception of a higher power other than a kind of a Santa Claus person on a throne situation. And that's not even, none of, that doesn't work with my religion even. So I don't know, or my religion of origin. But um, the only time I remember understanding prayer at, was at like 10 when I prayed, prayed for God to bring my dog back because she'd run away. And I was like, I'll do anything. And she came back and I didn't do anything. You know. <laughs> and, um, 
And so I never, like, and I had to go to services quite often as a kid, and I never understood why. No one ever said, this is so you can feel, you know, a connection with the universe. This is so you can understand why we behave certain way with other people, civility and, and kindness. None of that. It was you're going and you go. And so I, I resented it and I thought it was stupid and it was in a language I didn't understand and I was like standing up and sitting down. wrote and um, so none of that worked for me. So I came in with really no sense. I wasn't um, atheist. I didn't have like the... I didn't have like the the will <laughs> it takes too much energy to me um, but I was agnostic certainly and so the idea of having a higher power was um, very unappealing to me um, and so my sponsor said it doesn't it could be the rooms it can be it's anything that's a power greater than you do you think that you have the power to rule a universe and I was like no, I would like it. I think I should, but no. And um, so I do a better. Anyway, so um, so I would I was at the time working temping down at the beach, and so I would go out at lunchtime and pray to the ocean, because that was certainly a power greater than me. That could wipe me out anytime. Um, I would pray to um, the mountains when I went hiking. Uh, when my niece was born, I was like, that's pure love, like that's God. So I would pray to that energy. Um, and I would pray to the ribs, definitely, because that was an hour or an hour and a half where I wasn't um, binging or, well, I wasn't restricting, but I wasn't binging. And, um, and not that it necessarily, that first year, uh, meetings didn't necessarily make things easier. Meetings made me more, especially in the first month or two, it made me more obsessed because I never thought about the stuff I was doing. I was just doing it unconsciously. So to actually have a light shining on it and like, this is what you're doing with this bite is like, oh God, like I was thinking about it all the time and I was spinning. Um, and so just from my experience, the first couple months made things more intense, didn't make it easier. Um, but then I remember um, driving to a meeting and deciding I didn't need to go. As I've told this so many times. But I love this because it was so clear. I decided I didn't need to go. So I pulled over and I called my sponsor. I don't know why I realized to do that. And I had a, you know, the old timey. And, um, and I called her and I was like, I decided I don't need to go to this meeting that I'm heading to. And she was like, okay, well... You can thank your brain. Just thank you, brain, for your input. Thank you, thank you, broken brain, for your input, and continue on your way. And I did, and it's so metaphorical. I love it because that happens all the time. Like I, my first default impulse is often stay in bed, sit on the couch, eat a lot of food, and die. That's it. That's what I came in with, and that still seems very sensible to me. <laughs> in my more disturbed moments. And so that, I get to say, thank you for your input, broken brain, and I continue on my way. I do contrary action. I get out of the house, and I'm, absur and I'm of service. Um, so I think that's my time. I'm probably like seconds away. One minute. <laughs> I could stop. Yeah, I think that's good. Go on. Yeah. Thank you very much for letting me say. Oh, this is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. 
Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And I'll get a five minute. <coughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I do have any sort of things that you do on a daily basis, like experimentation, things like that. No. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, <coughs> I, <coughs> excuse me. I do the serenity prayer third step prayer, seven step prayer. Um, and what I do uh, when I'm doing it is uh, I, I go through, um, like, especially if I'm, I'm having a hard time, <coughs> I'll do, like, uh, I'm powerless over, uh, just say, work. I'm powerless over work. My life is become unmanageable. What would sanity look like today for me? And I, I sort of map out a plan of what would look like. What would a sane person look like? You know, and I try to emulate that. And then I turn it all over to God. Um, and uh, I have noticed lately that I get up and turn on um, technology quite quickly. So my, my thing lately has been to do all those prayers before I turn anything on. Because that's very distracting for me. Um, and uh, throughout the course of the day, I will ask for help. My favorite prayer is help. <laughs> I forget many things, but that one is quick and easy. Or if I want to get really long about it, I triple I say, God, help me. <laughs> um, or if it is your will, I can get really long. Um, and, um, and that's the way all my prayers are, too. It's all, you know, when I think it was all, you know, Back when I was a kid, it was like, please give me this, please give me this, I'll do anything. <laughs> and now it's, you know, please help me know your will. Please, re- you know, reveal your will to me. Let me not be afraid of it. Let me embrace it. Um, still waiting to hear, like, some, re- you know. But it, the big picture I, I haven't quite grasped because I'm human, and apparently that's not available to me. But the little picture is I do what I can every day. Just today. This is all I've got is today. I ju- and, and, you know, they say, like, the, most, the person with the most abstinence is the one who got up earliest. That will never be me. <laughs> so I'm always kept humble by that, you know. Like, 22 years is like, that is, that is just one day at a time. It's a painful list. It's, uh, I think what it primarily comes down to is self-loathing. And it's much better than it was when I came in. I mean, it used to be like the radio station KFUC. I did not make that up. I really want to get credit for it now, though. Um, but it was just like, you are terrible. Every, you know, and, the, and it would get reinforced by the behavior that I hated, that I couldn't stop. Um, but now it's uh, mixed in with regret because I'm of a certain age where um, it's, you know, it's too late to do many things. None of which I could have done anyway, but like, I mean, I can get depressed watching the Olympics because I can't do that, you know? And I remember early, you know, early in program when I was still seeing that therapist, and I was like, I watched the Olympics yesterday for five hours, and I'm never going to be an Olympic jumper, whatever the hell it was. And she's like, you watched something for five hours. Like, of course you're going to get depressed. Stop doing that. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) 
Um, TB was a big part of my uh, disease, by the way. Um, but uh, so it was that, that thing of, I was with Ellie, like, um, you know, will I play the violin after this? Well, I never could before. So, so I need to keep perspective. Like, I, um, man, I, you know, I, I've gone through, I'm going through menopause. I've gone through, I don't know what, what stage it's officially called, but uh, it sucks. And I'm sorry for people, like, that's my opinion. It's rough, and it's like, there's a lot of physical stuff that is really difficult to deal with. Um, waking up all the time, hot flashes, all this, all this stuff. And, um, and I need to be in acceptance about it, and I am not. So I'm struggling with that. And, it, and my body is changing. I'm struggling with that. Um, and I need to get an acceptance of that because it's not going to go backwards. Like, my body isn't suddenly going to get young again. And um, I struggled with the surgery. I was laid up uh, for a while, and I was um, in a boot for weeks and weeks, and it was incredibly frustrating, and I was incredibly impatient. And I had to learn more patience. Um, and, it was, and it was a struggle because my brain went to, oh, you're not exercising? Well, you know what's going to happen, and you should stop eating. And I didn't, because I needed to heal, and apparently you need food to, to live. And um, so I went on with being normal, but my brain, you know, with, with eating normally and, and healthily, but my brain was doing a number on me. So I still struggled with all that, and it was still, you know, contrary action, and I got meetings, you know, people came to my house and brought me a meeting and stuff like that. So that was helpful. You talk about those couple states and how you, <laughs> and how you deal with this. Oh, well, um, one New Year's is um, is one that I think of as a big couples day, and so I spend it with my girlfriends. We, you know, and we do um, most of the, like generally half of them are are usually in program. It's always a sort of a mix of people. And um, it's not like set in stone that we always get together, but it's pretty much what we do. And, um, and it's so much fun. And we do whatever we want. And like, of course, because we're all pains in the ass, like we each bring our own food because nobody can, you know, seek it. And um, so like, we're eating exactly what we want to be eating. And we're like, just hanging out. We're probably like watching something stupid on TV or, uh, well, yeah, or um, like making lists, like doing like pro kind of programming stuff of like lists of like things that we'd like to give away, things that we'd like to um, work towards, you know, or or things that we want to manifest. But you know, if it's God's will, um, and uh, and so that's really fun. And then um, Valentine's Day, uh, it's just to me, it's like it's amateur hour with all the chocolate and everything. I'm just like, oh, you people, like. My, in the old days, in the old days, back in the 90s, <coughs> I used to go on the 15th and buy all the candy half off and just have a little party on my own. So, um, so, uh, so what, it, what it looks like today is I don't do that. And, um, and so I just celebrate the love that I have in my life. And I'm still annoyed. I mean, when I'm, you know, I, I, that's something I struggle with. Like, I want to be in a relationship and I'm not. And that is very challenging and um, and so what the book says is we redouble our efforts to be of service and so that's what I do you know it's like um, Miracle of 34 oh I shouldn't be it's an outside issue but, but I believe I believe it's stupid but I believe like I believe I'm here for whatever my purpose is I don't necessarily know it I need to be of service and be open and loving 
<coughs> and if it, um, if it means I'm going to end up being with someone that where we have a connection and have a great relationship, awesome. And if it doesn't, I still need to live my life. I can't just hide away and wait for the 15th. So that's pretty much how I do it. Yeah. How do you balance anonymity and being of service? Are you up to people at work in this program or... Well, like, this is extremely hard right now, just being taped and thinking that, like, there are members of my family that could possibly hear this. Like, it's just really, like, uh. um, I was thinking of, like, coming up with a fake name for the, <laughs> for the tape. But um, I'm out to anyone who would want to hear it. I'm not just generally, like, out. And I work in, a, my career is I work at home, basically, or um, <coughs> like I go talk to people, but I don't, they're, they're not people I'll meet again. Um, and so I'm out to people, to like a couple people, or where like a friend of ours um, is struggling with um, very serious health and weight issues. I, sh- I shared with the mutual friend, like, by the way, if this ever comes up, because they're closer, if this ever comes up, you know, please let them know I'm in OA and I'm happy to talk to them about it or take no meeting. Um, and it just actually came up a couple weeks ago that the, per- the, the guy himself mentioned some problems and I was able to say it in a way that wasn't like, oh, you should do this. But it was just like, yeah, that's really rough that I do this. And... Um, whether or not he wants to do anything about it is totally none of my business. Um, but so there's still people in my life who are very close who I am not out to because like one friend who's a, like an aunt basically who's 90 and who would just not get it. And she would then look at everything I ate from then on and it's just like, it's not worth it. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> That's actually when I find it the easiest. It's um, it's the little things that I find much more challenging to turn to God about. Like if my if I get a flat tire or something, I'm like, well, uh, uh. actually, that's not a little thing for me. <laughs> what is that program thing like? If um, most people, when they get a flat tire, they call AAA, and we call suicide prevention. <laughs> so that's not little enough. But <clears throat> like when I was going through the loss of my brother, <clears throat> I'm so sorry about this. I feel like I'm doing this because of the tape. Um, I was much more in touch with my, much closer with my higher power. I was furious, and I was raging, and I was screaming. But I was that was close. That was a close relationship. Um, so, yeah, I think that, for me, that is the key, is not to, if I'm having a rough time, n- not to take it easy on my higher power. Um, that whatever that is, he, she, it can take it, can take anything I've got. Because I believe, for me, this was a program, I mean, this was a disease of censorship. I censored my emotions, and I used food to, to dull them and numb them out. So my higher power can hang, handle anything I've got. Can you talk about, um, I know you discussed your, your relationship with your dad, but your relationship with uh, other members of your family, um, if they change, how they change? <clears throat> um, this is before program and after. I think 
Well, uh, the reason I came in the program, honestly, that day that I talked to my friend, I was telling her about a family member who had been diagnosed with anorexia and bulimia, a younger family member, and um, or anorexia at the time. And I couldn't believe I didn't know it because I had just seen her, and I couldn't believe I didn't see it because I should be able to see these things. I had seen the after-school specials. Why didn't I know this? And, and I mentioned, like, that she had this, and I was like, my whole family's got this problem. You know, my whole family does weird things with food. And I did this last night. But anyway, and that's when she's like, whoa, 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 you know. So she was, you know, this, this family member was actually the reason I came in. And so once I was in, I really wanted to share the news. And people did not want to hear it. Oh, my God. Because, you know, if someone had come to me the day before I was ready and said, you should try this, I would have been like, uh-uh. And that's how everybody was to me. Now, Ten years later, or 15 years later, she did come to me and say, you know, can I try this? Um, and that was wonderful. But I tried not to, pu- ooh, time's up. I tried not to push it on anyone. And I also, um, the relationships have changed because I am not um, desperate to always be right. I still want to always be right, but it's not... Uh, quite as pathological and so that I think probably makes me easier to be around um, and it's also about acceptance and tolerance because none, no one else is going to change so I it, you know I have to bring something different to the relationship to get something um, some connection out of it thank you for oh it should have been five minutes oh because it was like time's up I was like damn okay um, so but that has meant that, you know, um, the relationships with friends, too. I got to say, I think you just asked about family. But, but friends are as important as family to me because, you know, I don't have a family of my own. And, um, and they really are. Like, and I remember, again, I don't even know if this was before or after I started program, but I remember once, I think it was right after my, uh, no. My best friend, who um, lives in New York, was saying, we were, we were talking on the phone, and I was like, okay, bye. And she was like, wait, wait, I haven't told you what's going on with me. And I, and I realized, like, that was my MO. We would talk, I would talk, she would answer, I would be like, okay, bye. And I don't know if I did that every time, but I did it often enough that she had to mention it, and it was so humiliating, but it was so great that she was able to tell me and that I was able to see like, oh, a relationship is two-way. <laughs> and also that um, I had very little trust in people, like no trust in people when I came in. And that made me untrustworthy. And so part of learning these, you know, working these steps was learning how to be a trustworthy person, which, again, the miracle that I don't understand, made me trust people more. Um, maybe because, you know, initially I saw the way I behaved, so why would I trust someone else? Because I knew they were going to be just, you know, deceitful. Um, or withholding or whatever. So she, so we have this great, we're still best friends and we still have this great relationship. And we write each other, we email each other. We've had an email chain going for years. Every morning, like, we will write to each other about what's going on in our lives. And it's so lovely that, um, and that she had the wherewithal to speak up for herself about that. And we had already been friends for like 10 years. So, oh, that's just, like, to think about the way it used to be. And to be so grateful that I don't have to be that way now. 
Um, you said your MO is to sit at home, eat, isolate, and want to die, or that's how your brain can go. Um, and we can all relate to that. So what do you do, I know you kind of mentioned it, but could you be a little more specific about what you do to fight against that natural? The contrary actions? Well, first of all, like I, I mentioned I work at home, but I actually work at a cafe near my home so that I have to shower and, um, you know, wear clothing that isn't pajamas and, um, and see other people and interact with other people. And um, so I do my best not to just spend all day at home. Um, and I, there are some volunteer, there are places that I can volunteer if I'm not working. Very, I'm very grateful that for some reason I've had a lot of work lately, so I haven't been, and also the foot thing, I haven't been able to go, but um, that's a great place for me to, like, if I have a day ahead of me that's like, oh, I got nothing to do, I'm going there for two hours and I'm going to be a service. And um, the, uh, I think, I don't eat late at night in front of the TV. That's just not an option for me today. Um, I don't, what else? What else do I do? I think that's it. Just making sure I'm getting out of the house to, um, to interact with other people. And um, I mean, even with this, even when I was laid up, I was not alone. I had people coming in. I let them help me, which was really contrary action. It was, I, and I had to ask for help. I had to just say, you know. And there's one friend who we're really close now. At the beginning of the year, we saw each other occasionally. And I called her, and she had called for some reason. I said, you know, I could really use a meeting. Can you come over? I'm laid up. And that started this, like, wonderful relationship we now have that, you know. And I've always thought she was great, but... Um, thank you. <laughs> That's it. Thank you.